Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Latter-day Takes. On today's episode, we do a personal week recap. Brian gives us a little bit of an update on his baseball coaching, how that's going. I talk about my trip to St. George. We talk about tipping. We go. I go on a, I go on a nice little tipping rant, but there's going to be a whole episode of de- de- dedicated to tipping because it's so terrible these days. Uh, we talk about bad drivers, but that, that's a little bit later. Um, we talk about a slight recap on... BYU and the WCC tournament. Obviously, it didn't go so hot. I talk about whether or not I may or may have betted, betted? That's not a word. Bet on that tournament, but I give my good reasons why I think. Uh, Johnny Bones Jones is back in the UFC. Brian gives a great recap on all of that. I'm not the most well versed on any of that, but just a big week in Vegas overall. We got March Madness right around the corner. We talk about that, obviously. And then we talk about people we can't be friends with. We talk about people, how they drive on the highway, how frustrating that can be. I call Brian out, though, a little bit. I say, "Is are those people you can't be friends with or are those just people that frustrate you? Because there is a difference there, right? I talk about certain ways people dress at the gym. So we'll get to all that. Hope you all enjoy it. We then go on to interview Brian's sister, Brittany Peterson. Uh, she has a great story about kind of her own conversion and how, what she went through with all of that, kind of leaving the church for a time and then coming back, meeting her husband. And uh, yes, it involves a missionary, which is amazing. It's, it's a great story. Uh, and then we close out with our spiritual thoughts, with our gospel talk. And Brian and I kind of each build off of the episode itself. Um, I specifically talk about the transformation aspect of repentance and how repentance is one thing, but transformation is another. Brian talks about Matthew 5 and specifically the Joseph Smith translation of being perfect. And we get into all that. There's some nice good back and forth. That's how we close out the episode. Hope you all enjoy it. We'll be back with you next week. Hope you all are having an awesome week. It is hump day. Get after it. And we'll catch you all next week. Before we get to the rest of the podcast, I'd like to talk to you quickly about Odyssey Snacks. Odyssey Snacks provide some of my favorite protein bars in the world. Now, they've got six different flavors, mint chocolate brownie, peanut butter, chocolate chip, dark chocolate almond, vanilla blueberry, mocha chocolate crisp, and my personal favorite, banana chocolate chip peanut butter. You can get 10% off if you use my discount code, HARPY10. You can go to odysseysnacks.com. That's where you can enter in the promo code at checkout, or you can just type in odysseysnacks.com slash harpy10, and that'll give you 10% off of your order. Anything you order, you can get 10% off. Anyway, just want to share with you how much I love these. They've got a great prebiotic in them that kind of just helps you with the digestive tract, all that stuff. They're great with the macronutrients, a good amount of fat, carbs, and protein across the board. They're great for feeling satisfied. They're great for eating and then working out or working out and then eating. I'm a big fan of these bars. They don't get you bloated. That's the big, amazing part of this. Anyway, it's odysseysnacks.com slash harpy10, or you can enter in harpy, H-A-R-P-E-Y-1-0 at checkout and you'll get 10% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> 
Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. Wow. What an interview. Wow. What's that? <laughs> what an interview yesterday. Yeah, well, they don't know it was yesterday. For all they know, it was today. Today. Earlier today. Yesterday. Never know. Yeah. Brittany <laughs> killed it, man. It was a really, it really, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll segue into that near the end there, but it really was. It was a fun time talking to her. Your sister, Brittany Peterson. Yeah. Jordan B. Peterson's wife. Um, so good. We back. We back at it again. We're back at people it. In, Harper and Harper in the morning. That's right. Um, people don't believe we could be consistent, but I knew we had it in us and we'll still continue to be consistent. If anything, I could see us doing more than an episode per week, potentially. I love it. I'm here for it, baby. Yeah. No point in, uh, withholding our gifts to the world. (laughs) 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 I should apologize for that. I'm sorry, everybody. All right, man. We'll hit us. Let's get your personal week recap, bro. Let's see. Let's hear. How you doing, man? How's things? How's baseball going? Good, 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 good. We're uh, playing well. So opened up on uh, uh, Friday, double dip, a little double dip on Saturday, three and one over the weekend. We're uh, we're playing well. So pitchers are doing good. That's my my realm of things, which is nice. Um, but yeah, so everything's going good. Can't uh, can't complain. So little little real estate work, a little you know, little other details that I'm trying to sure up on some things and that I haven't shared with you on a personal level yet. But uh, yeah, a couple couple things in the works, which is nice. So trying just trying to stay busy. Yeah, how was uh, how was your trip down to St. George? Yeah, I went down to St. Jeezy, dude. Um, I got a buddy down there that owns a couple places. He does uh, Airbnbs out of them. He gave us mm-hmm. a nice deal. Tyler Miller, friend of the pod. Uh, shout out to him. If you're looking for an Airbnb, by the way, you can hit him up. He's got a nice, like, townhomes, has a community pool, has a hot tub. Really well located. It's kind of on the outskirts of St. George's, technically in Washington. But mm-hmm. it's on the way to Zion. Like, there's a lot of places you can hike out there. And that's essentially what we did. You know, it was kind of funny because I was like, yeah, I've got to get out of the cold. But I literally got back from Costa Rica a week ago. So I didn't have much to complain about. But I had some friends that wanted to do it. So we just went down for an, a weekend and hiked around for a bit, hot tubbed, um, played some pickleball. That was probably the big highlight. We played pickleball for like two hours, which nice, you know, nice. Playing out, which we have we have not got on the court yet. And I no. do you play? I want to. Well, let's 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 get you out there, dude. You you <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but you've got a fantastic pickleball body. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. You're just you're just built. You love to build me up, and I love it. Well, no, I mean sometimes, but uh, <laughs> uh-huh. um, no, the because uh, you got that length, dude. Length and pickleball. If you've got the quick twitch in the length, um, which I don't know if you have the quick twitch or not. I don't know what baseball what you need to be good in baseball in that sense. But you have to, um, yes, yeah. And you're a pitcher, so your aim is probably fantastic. And um, my, see, my my issue though is, I don't know what hand to play with. 
Yeah, you're ambidextrous. I'm I'm mentally challenged when it comes to well, we, figuring out which bad. hand to play with. <laughs> um, no, because when I, whenever I played like tennis tennis, I would serve with my left because that's my pitching arm, right? Mm-hmm. But then I would want to play with my right. Hmm. That's how messed up I am. Like playing ping pong, ping pong is straight right-handed. That's yeah. Makes if no you play ping pong right-handed, I would bet you play play pickleball right-handed as well then too. Right, but it's also like different serving, so it's more it's the underhand serve, right? Yeah, yeah. So most likely I'd serve right-handed. Well, you could always switch it up here and there, however you need to. Just mess, just mess with people. Well, a lot of people will like switch up to like hit it with their other hand instead of just doing a backhand, which I'm all about the backhand, so that blows my mind. Yeah, but... so am I. So yeah, I don't know. Let's get you we'll, up here, get we'll you after see. it, dude. You're you're Let's still moving it. up here, right? In the summer, uh, we're planning on it. No spoilers, man. Oh, right. <laughs> Table that for another time. Oh, all right. So I was driving over to uh practice yesterday and i started thinking about um when is it the right time to tip the right service to tip and i don't know if we've ever talked about this but it do you tip or no tip in certain situations or do you sometimes feel obligated to tip and you don't or you do because you feel obligated well, meaning so- th- there's times there's times. So this, this is where I'm getting at real quick. Uh, my sister used to do to goes when she worked at PF Chang's when she was in high school. Okay. And she always told me, she's like, we bag it all up. We do everything like as we're working to goes, like we're just like your waiter. And I feel like I should be tipped. And I go, you make a good point. So anybody that does to goes at those like sit down restaurants, I make sure I leave, you know, like a 10% tip, not a 20, right? Because it's like normally my, my go-to is 20%, like when we're, you know, sitting down and actually dining in. Um, but I'll, you know, leave them a little something in the to go area because that's what they're working for in there. Are there scenes tipping a barber? I tip my barber. Do you tip your hair stylist barber? Yeah. I don't and know I hate you it. We don't have enough okay. time on the episode to talk about tipping. That's going to be an entire episode at some point. That I promise you. In fact, okay. that's something probably we should get Casey and John in on at some point because I've already ranted to them about this. But um, I think that's I think, where it popped in my head because we have had talk. We have had talks about yeah. it. So okay. I'll, I'll give you a little quick teaser. I mean, for for the listeners to know where I'm at. Granted, they just probably know that I'm already somewhat cynical and a little bit of a curmudgeon, so they could probably guess how I feel about tipping. <laughs> I might surprise people, though, because I'm with you. When it comes to sit-downs, I never tip less than 20%, like, ever. Right. It's always no at matter, No matter what, right? I'll go 25. If it's really good, I'll go over 25. No joke. Okay. Because, like, you're being waited on. That's literally why they call them waiters and waitresses. Like, people will be like, do you need more water? Do you need more of this, more of right. that, whatever? What can I do for you? And that, to me, is like, if you're – there is a scale there that you can rate them and say – like baseline, 20%, just because I wouldn't want to do your job. Thank you for doing that job for me. And then above, anything above that is like, you're doing great, um, going above and beyond. But 
it is getting out of hand. I tip my barber. I hate tipping my barber. I don't understand the tipping the barber thing at all. I, but I do it out of social pressure. That we need to put an end to that. Um, any store or any restaurant, excuse me, that has that freaking iPad, I already just have to roll my eyes. I'm like, ah, oh, they're gonna do the old flip it to me and be like, and strategically say, it's gonna ask you to fill out some things, not just we need your signature. It's fill out some things. It's tip me, please, and then sign it. And hit confirm and all that crap. And I'm just like, this is this is ridiculous. Especially if you call my name for me to pick up the food and then I clean up my... There's this place. In fact, I don't know if I want to lambast them too much because I actually really like their food. But they do exactly that. They, they call your name or number or whatever and you go up and get it yourself. Take it back to your table. You eat. You finish eating. You get your own... You get your drinks. You get your water. You refill all that stuff. And then when you're done, you take care of your stuff. You put it in the trash, in the garbage, whatever. Put it on that, the top of the, the garbage can. And I'm like, what the hell would I tip you for doing that for? Like, what? That's, that is so egregious that you would even ask me for a tip. It's offensive. And it ticks me off. And what's funny about that it. is that we were in St. George, obviously, this last weekend. We, went to, we were technically in Hurricane, not Hurricane, Hurricane. Yep. Even though it's not spelled like that at all anyway. Um, we went to this barbecue place and it was okay. Like one of the guys that led us there was like, really, he was, he was propping it up big time. And let me tell you, man, that brisket, so dry. Like I actually kind of cringe thinking about it again. The ribs, however, were very good. The brisket was no good, like no, no good at all. Anyway, um, environment, a little weird people, not the most friendly anyway. They bring, they brought their food out to us, but like we noticed early, like they were asking for tips, like, do we tip them? It's like, I'm not sure. Well, they brought the food out very quickly. I didn't mm-hmm. tip them. And I didn't feel terrible for that until I realized they cleaned up our stuff too. And then I was like, you right. know what? They weren't waiting on us, but they did bring us our food and they cleaned it up. I probably should have thrown them like 10, 15%. Like that, I did regret. And so. It's weird. There, there, there is a there are variables to this. And anyway, like I said, I could go on for a while, but it me it's fire. almost like why am I tipping you before the service? Yeah, right? it'd be like it'd be like you going to a sit down restaurant and being like, okay, well, here's your total. Uh, you want to tip? More like, well, uh, great I point. I haven't eaten yet, and I haven't you know I don't know how your waiters are doing. So why would I? You know, so maybe they have little, you know, things you can, little Venmo things you can, you know, little little scan piece at the at the uh, at the table. And if you're at a fast food restaurant and they happen to clean, like Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A cleans up. If you're if you're sitting there for more than you know five minutes and they're they're done, they'll they'll walk around. You know, you want to refill and you know, but I can't re-tip after the fact. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So. I, and not 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 everybody carries cash either, so. Just the the tipping culture we're getting into is getting dangerous. See, I was I was raised different though. Vegas, you want anything done? Tip them out, and and they'll get it done for you. All right. Well, we'll get into this. This will yeah. be a, a whole. I love it. Okay. Good. For sure. All right. Uh, that's it for the week. Uh, world news. Well, so I'll transition into this because yeah. 
This is for you, bud. I had a little heartbreaker happen last night, and it would like happen exactly the way, be like you know it was going to happen as a BYU fan. BYU wins their; they have to win four games in order to win the WCC tournament. Little context here: they were a plus five thousand betting odds to win the WCC tournament. What does that Mm -hmm. mean? That means if you bet a hundred dollars, you get five thousand back. That puts their percentage at around like 2%. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. That's a very high value bet because BYU definitely had greater than a 2% chance of winning the WCC tournament. Not much greater, but greater. Like probably more like 10 to 15, honestly. They made it to the semis and they're kind of like feeling the momentum. They play St. Mary's and at one point in the game, in the second half, they find themselves down 26. And we're just like, what a joke. BYU gets the lead down. They cut the lead down to four at one point with like two or three minutes left. And I'm like, are they really? And of course, of course they did it where they get our hopes up only to be dashed again. And I think the spread was at six and a half, seven. And I think St. Mary's even beat the spread <laughs> right at the very end. Jeez. It was pretty crazy. I swear Vegas odds makers. It, it, it's mind blowing every single yeah, day. It's pretty, like, nice. there's not too many times. I mean, there, there are times where they get it completely wrong. Right. However, how many games are they just spot on about? It's unbelievable. It's absurd, man. Like yeah. we're talking, we're talking six and a half points, right? And it's minute left, right? Two minutes left, and it's just hovering six and seven, six and seven, six and seven, right? It just keeps going back and forth, and finally it just hits at you know six for the under or whatever it is. You know, it's just it's the totals. The totals are nuts to me as well, right? Like yeah, oh, hundred and fifty yeah. points, right? And they're like. Oh, there's no way, right? Two defensive-minded teams, right? And all of a sudden, 150 points, 149. It's like, what? It's so yeah. ridiculous. I love it. It's pretty wild. Um, I'm not a betting man, really. Mm-hmm. I've maybe placed like three or four sports bets my entire life. Maybe five. Yeah. Well, I did throw down $100 on this game because I was like, that's a $5,000 return. This is a high value. I'm betting on the value. I'm not betting on the fact right. that I actually think BYU will win this game or win this tournament, and they didn't. But I was hopeful there for a bit, and my hopes got dashed. I don't even know who won the Gonzaga-San Francisco game. I'm sure Gonzaga did, so we're going to see a St. Mary's-Gonzaga yeah. matchup tonight that I probably won't even really watch. But um, but yeah, that'll be actually so, be a really good game, which would be oh, I'm sure it will. I actually bet it will be a really good game. I agree. Yeah, because anyway. St. Mary's is, is technically the one seed, yeah? Yeah, they're the one seed, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I could see Gonzaga winning though. Well, I mean, big big week in in college basketball, and I'm so excited. It's my favorite time of year when it comes to college sports. That and obviously college football. College football, start of college football, end of college football, like my favorite time of year. Um, Is March Madness weekend honestly not one of like the top five weekends of the entire year? Am I wrong there? Is that crazy? Mm, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's crazy. It's one of my Honestly, I would I would love I would love to have a conversation about the best month for sports. Oh, I think it's October, no question, right? Is it though? Um, I think it's I think it's April. April's pretty good, but April and September are really good months. You have the November as well for the NBA. November and December are very good as well because you have all of the major sports going. October. Yeah. Right? Oh, and you're throwing in the Masters in there too. 
I'm throwing the Masters in as well. Yeah, so you have the Masters, you have beginning, which March Madness kind of fades into April now, right? But baseball's starting, uh, or NBA playoffs are starting, like all of these, you know, end of NBA season, end of NHL season, right? Yeah. There's there's those months that are just like so good. Yeah, yeah. No, I 100%. This is but a I really just, good conversation. That's something yeah. I'd want like Casey in on or something too. I think. Yeah. We get some we got to get Casey and John in on because I know yeah. they are very adamant about adding the golf in aspect of of things. So we should we yeah. should look to do that sometime next month actually because that's it's April. <laughs> so duh. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, yeah, like big it. big weekend in Vegas in general. I mean, obviously with all of the conference tournaments being relocated here to, you know, the Orleans, uh, Henderson now actually has the West coast conference, I believe. No, that is the Orleans. The whack I believe is in Henderson. Now pack 12s down downtown at T-Mobile, you know, mountain West is down at, uh, either T-Mobile or Thompson Mac. So big, big week in Vegas coming up. Cause yeah. they've got, you the, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's Pac-12 always a is fun. Like MGM Grand. Yeah, it's the T-Mobile Arena. T-Mobile. Oh, T-Mobile. Yeah, they, they moved over there because T-Mobile or MGM owns T-Mobile Arena. So, gotcha. But yeah, it's uh started off obviously over the weekend with you know the West Coast Conference being in town, and then UFC two two eighty five was in town as well over the weekend. Uh, Johnny Bones Jones is back, heavyweight champ now. Just beat Cyril Gone in a minute. He literally took him down, Cyril Gunn, for anybody that didn't see this, took him down, put all of his weight on this man, which Cyril Gunn is not a small human being, and nor is Bones Jones now, but literally just suffocated him, and Cyril just tapped out. No, it wasn't even like an actual submission, nothing. It was literally like, I have your neck, and I'm just going to put all my weight on you, and he just tapped out. So admittedly, I don't know a ton about this, but let's mm-hmm. give a little background here, even also for our listeners. If I'm not mistaken, Johnny Bones Jones has battled a lot of drug stuff, like not yes. recreational drug use, but like illegal uh, drugs in UFC. A lot of his defenders have said, oh, it's like all nitpicky stuff that like everybody does that people are just trying to get him for, blah, blah, blah. And then some people are like, nah, it's pretty legit. Like he should have known not to like towed yep. that line or whatever johnny bones jones as well now i don't know if he goes by johnny but you're saying that's johnny. what okay so it used to be just because it used to be it's a new john thing. yes john bones jones he, yeah john's bones jones right but uh and the reason i'm saying johnny bones jones is because uh bruce buffer the in-ring announcer he announced him as johnny bones jones that's pretty cool. So I don't I don't know if that's a new thing or if because uh, Buffer calls him Johnny, he was like, he told Buff to call him that when he was announcing him. But yeah, so but uh, no, he he was a light heavy forever. He had those wars he, against he was uh, DC. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he, he didn't get beat. Both his brothers were like in the NFL, I think not, not yeah. like huge contributors. I don't think, but they're like yeah, a Chandler, Chandler Jones is Chandler Jones oh. is, is the dude for, uh, the Seattle. Oh, I didn't forever. realize Chandler Jones was yeah. one of the brothers. Um, mm-hmm. and then he, he himself played college ball, but just mm-hmm. got into fighting cause football didn't pan out as well. Yeah. And he's killing it. 
cool. Yeah, cool, so he, cool he's, I like that stuff. he's been gone for basically three years. His last fight was in 2019, comes back, been talking about going in the heavyweights, obviously had to deal with all the suspensions and things like that. And then uh, Francis Ngannou stepped away because he couldn't come to terms with the UFC on, you know, uh, extending the contract of, of fights and things like that. And Cyril was the interim before um, while Francis was gone doing things, got hurt, something like that. Um, and then basically long story short, they had a vacant title, wanted Bones to come back and be the heavyweight and ends up winning it. So he, uh, supposed to, supposed to be fighting Miocic next, which is he, Miocic is the three ranked, um, heavyweight right now. So that'll be, that'll be a good fight because Miocic is a beast as well. Um, but yeah, so another big upset was movie rights for Bones Jones. Like no joke, that's that's a Maybe. crazy comeback can, story already. Right. Well, uh, Disney did the thing with the uh, Ante Campos family. Right. So I wonder if they yeah. want to do the same thing with with the with the Bones. Yeah, you wonder. You wonder. Or the Joneses family, I should say, not the Boneses family. Um. But yeah, uh, Alexa Grossa beat Valentina Shevchenko, which this was a huge upset as well. She was going off at like thousand one, which is absurd. Um, and then Bo Nickel made his UFC debut first time ever got a fighter making his debut on the pay-per-view main card. So, and that dude, big, big 10 athlete of the year, big team, big 10 wrestler of the year, went to Penn state fighting out of Penn state state college. Um, but yeah, the dudes, the, the dude is the real deal. So, um, but yeah, just to go along with the, you know, huge week in Vegas and I'm, uh, I'm excited for, for March madness. Can't wait. So we'll be filling out our brackets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's you put uh, something on the line. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to figure it out. Um a hundred doll hairs. No, that's too that's too um <laughs> standard. Plus I just lost a hundred dollars, so maybe I'm sensitive about that. But what about um, what about a hundred doll hairs though? Uh, yeah, nice, good. Um <laughs> but we should do something like that the person that loses has to I don't know. Like, you have to like shave your beard or something if you lose. No. Yeah, something like that. I think we're all right. You have to you have to shave your head then. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way that compares, dude. Your beard would grow back. Yes, it does. Your beard would grow back in a month. This wonderful mop top would take me another year, dude. There's no way that's happening. That is not uh, a fair comparison. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Bryce is reporting this week. He le- he leaves tomorrow out to Philly's camp. Uh, he's very excited to get out there and get ready to go. He uh, he called me Friday or Saturday. I was at the I was already at the field. I was in the press box up at the high school, and uh, he's just calling, giving me crap. I was like. Dude, you need to get a life. Like, stop. Leave me alone. He's like literally just pushing my buttons just to do it. He's like, I need to get into a clubhouse right now. He's like, I'm dying to get in the clubhouse. I was like, that sounds about right. Is so, he bored? He's just he, you get the itch, right? Like, I had I had the same thing. I want to say two weeks ago because um, what was on TV? There was something, and it was like the start of spring training for me. Right. Like normal in normal sense, it was 
Um, oh, it was the, the waste management. And I know that like, that's normally like the start of spring training, right. And like seeing all the guys go down, things like that. My buddies have, you know, my, uh, Chase and Shreve and Paul Sewell, all the guys who are still playing that I played with growing up, they, they both left and, you know, you just get that itch again, you know, that's all it is. And, um, you don't, I don't miss playing the game, but it's, you miss the clubhouse. You miss going into spring training and as monotonous and as so bad as spring training can be. Um, it's just so much fun just being in, in the clubhouse and hanging out and just I bet. B- bullshitting. So it's, it's a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's ready to go. So he's, he's excited and supposed to be allegedly ahead of schedule and we'll see how he, see how he goes and, once he gets down there, hopefully he gets back quickly. So it'll be it'll be good to see him back on the field. So nice, love yeah. it, man. That'll be exciting. Get, get, keep us reported on that, dude. But let's go. Yeah, let's talk freaking NL MVP. Let's get a repeat I know. going. I know. I know. We need it. Need it. So it'll be a be exciting year for them. They they made some good moves. So we'll see how it goes. Beautiful. All right, man. Shall we then uh, close it out with uh, the people we can't be friends with segment is it time tis this has become right. my one of my favorite things now <laughs> i love it except the one that you have listed for me i'm too scared to talk about so i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot <laughs> <laughs> all right so one of my biggest pet peeves people that sit in the fast lane on the highway and go the speed limit Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can't do it. Like Dude. who who are you that you think you get to dictate what I do in this fast lane? Everybody knows that this is the fast lane. Okay, Everybody okay hold knows. on though. Let me push back a little bit. Not on the concept. The concept I'm with you is spot on. Like it's wrong. However, we're talking about people you can't be friends with. Can you not be friends with that person? I think I can still be no. friends with that person. No, because <laughs> my mom, if I if I'm in the car with my mom, okay, and she is sitting in the fast lane. And she's going 65 on the highway. I'm like, Mom, you can't be in this lane. You're only going 65. I can be in this lane. It's fine. I'm like, no, Mom, this is the fast lane. You're going 65. You, I was like, you need to get over it. When she's driving in the fast lane and she's going, <laughs> See, going okay. 65, we're not friends. You're talking about a pet peeve, which I get, and it's a bad one. I don't want to be can... friends with that person either, though. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I can even – that person. I can even extend off of that a little bit because I was actually talking about this with Chase Bartholomew who was regularly on the pod at the beginning of this whole thing. We were driving down to St. George and like I was going off on on some of these guys like that don't know how to drive. It's not just necessarily about the fast lane and not going fast enough. I mean that's that's not – they shouldn't even call it the fast lane. They should call it the passing lane for one um, because that's what it, it is. is. You use mm-hmm. it to pass, right? What drives me freaking nuts – is when people aren't consistent with their speed. Like, you'll be driving, you'll pat, like, I'm going a solid, like, down I-15, though, the speed limit's freaking 80, but here's the thing, you, little, maybe little known fact, it's actually best to not push it beyond, like, 85, because they mm-hmm. will pull you over beyond that. I've actually gotten yeah. pulled over, like, at, like, 88 before, mm-hmm. and and they were, like, I was surprised. They are like, do you know how fast we're going? And I was like, yeah, like, 88 <laughs> and like, oh, so what's wrong with that still less than 10 over and she's like yeah, yeah yeah you were so and the idea is that they give you 80 so you don't take 90 
right? Right. Um, but they want to like keep it like lower than that, right? They want to give you about five is all from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So I go about 84, 85 usually. Keep it there. Cruise, huge cruise control guy. Love my oh, yeah. cruise control. Just freaking boom, you're cruising. Like that's why they call it. It's amazing. Cruise yep. control. What drives me freaking crazy is when you pass somebody, you're going 84, 85, and you pass them because they're going like 81. Whatever. That's fine. And then they start – like after you pass them, they start speeding up. It's like they're trying to catch pace with you. I don't even think they're trying to annoy you. I honestly think they're doing it subconsciously. And they're just like, oh, am I going too slow? And it's like, no, you're going your speed. That's fine. Let me pass you. Let's get out of each other's way. And this whole like cat and mouse thing that you're playing down the freaking highway for yep. an hour is so frustrating. It's pick a freaking speed and stick to it. <laughs> when you're dealing with semis, that's the exception here. Obviously, everybody's right. kind of going – wonky when it comes to semis you just got to get through that yeah. get past the semi patch and then you're good yeah no i 100 and the the problem is too is like they'll be going fast and then you'll sit at the 85 and then all of a sudden they start slowing down and then you're like what are you doing because yeah. they don't understand the cruise control aspect yeah these people those people i will not be friends with those people that's what i'm saying people that have okay. zero self or spatial awareness when it comes to driving down the highway i'm done we are done anyway should it. we get to mine now yes yes it is not i've been wait- i've been waiting for this one well this is like i'm not going to i'm too i'm too wussy to talk about this one dude I, i'll give a little 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 bit of a blurb it's i have something reserved for life coaches <laughs> But I gotta formulate it better. I know I know some life coaches. These are people I really like and that I am friends with. But like, there's, there's. You wait, wait, wait. I, I, a, you know, you know life coaches. Yeah, I know a couple. I think I've met a few. I don't. I don't. I, know, I don't think I know a life coach. Really? I would call you my life coach. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so not we're not going to talk about that one yet. We'll, we'll we'll preserve that one for another time, but I will tell you one thing that's that I will I will one hundred percent not be friends with this person one hundred percent. If you wear pajama pants to the gym, that is a thing. Have you seen that man? I don't go to the gym, so no. Oh yeah, I forgot. Dude, that's a thing. <laughs> I think pajama pants. Are I do. I do know what you're about, though. Have you seen it in general? These these younger kids wearing pajama pants like in public. I, mean, I literally saw I mean, one at the gas station when I was coming back up from St. George this last weekend. I'm like, what is happening with these pajama pants? What's going on here? I mean, I used to wear them to high school. I honestly think I only did that on pajama the day, and it was in middle school. But you would wear them regularly to high school? Not regularly. I would wear like sweatpants, or I would, you know, throw on some pajama pants one day if I wanted to. If I didn't have anything. Like I on still, uh, like, like finals days, dude. I always, I was always in pajama pants. I did not yeah, care. Like, for, and I'm really and you know I wouldn't do this just for you because we had the whole speedo conversation. Um, <laughs> I I actually don't have. I think that's different than what I'm talking about because high schoolers they'll wear weird things, whatever. Like yeah. it's you get caught up in weird trends and whatever. There's that's but you're talking thing. you're talking grown men wearing like, pajama I'm pants like to the gym. Ages twenty to like twenty six at the gym, rocking the uh, freaking pajama pants at the gym, and I'm like, you I mean, look, look so stupid right now. 
Yeah. And I know this is a get off my lawn moment for me, but I don't care. Like, I don't know this if is, it is. Maybe it's not. I don't think it is. That's a bad look. I mean, it is straight up. It's just bad look. It's if a I, horrible look. I mean, all right, we go to the gym. Okay, I show up in pajama pants. What's your reaction? Oh my gosh, dude! I'm like, we're working out. Set, like, I'm not working out by you. Hundred percent. I would do the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, I'm not. Uh, what are you doing? You. What are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> Be like, oh, I know we were supposed to both lift chest today. You take chest. I actually am going to do back now. I'll see you. I'm going to go to a different section. <laughs> I love it. It's freaking gross, yeah. man. I will not. I would, I would agree with that. So I won't. I won't either. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Colby and uh, uh, Riley show up in pajama pants just at the gym. Gosh, they would never. They would never. Riley wouldn't. Five dollars each. What? How much? Five dollars. Just that's not enough. Riley wouldn't because it was hurt his chances with the ladies. (laughs) Colby would say he'd do it, but then forget. It is so good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I feel like these people just—we need to have like just backstories on on all these friends yeah, we have that we have. Characters for friends for sure, man. Oh, yeah. So good. Well, should we uh, should we take a break before yeah. we uh, before we uh, send it over to our interview with your lovely sister Brittany Peterson, wife of Jordan B. Peterson? Let's do it. All right, sounds good, man. I'll see you in a bit. Sorry. Had to, dude. Had to start there. We are back on the pod with a special guest, uh, Brittany Peterson, wife of Jordan B. Peterson, but, <laughs> but not the same. But not, but not, but not but that not, guy. But not, the but one not that, that I, guy. But not yeah. the one that I paid $80 to see live. Yeah. <laughs> You could have gotten I've, it I've for heard, free. I mean, I've mm. I've met your husband briefly, and he seemed very, very funny and entertaining. I would pay maybe twenty dollars to see him live, maybe. But when he starts to use his hands, it's worth the eighty dollars. <laughs> All right, that's such okay. a stab at Jordan right there. <laughs> um, I'm actually rocking the first rendition of the new logo that was brought to us by Brittany Peterson, our lovely guest. That's right. I had to give the shout out there, so that was the only way she was getting on if she if she made something for us. <laughs> yeah, she hey, paid her you know what? It. I just <laughs> contribute contributions. Yeah, well, it's all, we, it's all we're looking for. It just keeps us going. It keeps us uh, amped and uh, <laughs> the dream alive. But um, we brought F-U, you on. What's today. that stand for? Fired up? Not really. Wait, what was that? It's a movie quote, Fired Up, the cheerleading movie with the two guys that go to college, they're cheerleading, and the the school is F-U, but they go, F-U, what's that stand for? Fired Up. And the two guys are like, not really. Oh, nice. I actually did see that. See, I was just fired up. That's all. I'm just, I'm fired up, you know? Yeah, I'm fired up. Just making us designs, things like that, you know? We're good to go. Well, Brittany, we brought you on today. Because we like it when people have cool short stories to share, uh, which it sounds like you've got a great one. I already know kind of some of it here and there from what I've caught from Brian. So um, I want to hear 
from start to finish your journey in the gospel specifically and then we'll kind of you know have some offshoots from there i can't help myself you know i i always will ask questions in the midst of it we'll go on a little tangents here and there brian knows that all too well and uh <laughs> just kind of guide it guide it as we see fit so tell us tell us your story Britt. i know we're all familiar with brian um we're bored of him by now that's not true i don't mean that sorry um but you guys have both kind of had interesting, similar journeys, obviously raised in the same family. Um, maybe a different relationship with the gospel as kids going into your teenage years than what you feel now is what is the is the vibe I get, at least, overall. So For I sure. just want to hear your perspective. Um, so I had some really interesting leaders. I was actually talking to Brian about this. Um before we did this and um i had a lead so my dad's a convert or our dad's a convert and i had a leader and i distinctly remember this lesson and i don't know what it was even surrounding but um she like she started to talk about how you like can't have non-member friends and how old were you by the way I was young. I was a beehive back when yeah. it was like beehive, my maid, Laurel. Yeah. Um, I was a beehive and so I was what, 12, 13. Yeah. And she was just talking about how like non-member friends are a bad influence or the bad influences in your life. You need to cut them out, which I agree. Like bad influences do need to be out of your life, but not, not all non-members are bad influences in my opinion. Like there's, I think everybody could probably agree with that. Yeah, for sure. It's weird to say that no holds barred. Yeah. So anyway, she was like, you shouldn't date non-member boys. You shouldn't even associate with them. Your friends shouldn't be non-member. You need to surround yourself with member friends. And I feel I, I was listening to your podcast about your repentance process and like how awkward it was to go back to the Bishop. And when you were talking about that, this story like came to my mind about this because there's been that transition in the church from like surrounding yourself with only this type to this new, like be friends with everybody, give everybody grace, you know, like it's very different than what it was in years past. Like I feel like in years past it was trying not have those friends and stuff. Well, so I think I think the biggest thing, and not to cut you off here, but like we're we're a church of converts. Right? Absolutely. Like, and that's the biggest thing is you know, you can't have only member friends. Are you are you spreading the gospel that way? Or, you know, are are we just gonna you know keep keeping people around us that have the same beliefs and everything like that, right? If we're trying to spread I the feel gospel like that's we, easier. Right. Well, exactly. But we also have to like, be spreading the gospel. We all have to be missionaries, right? So why? Well, what I'm, what I'm saying is like it's easier, and it wouldn't be great and beneficial to us if you didn't learn the hard to get to the, like the bad, the hard. Those things help you be better in life and better relatable. I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. And and we mean you both know that, right? Like we, we feel like we're we're more, you know relatable and even talking to timmy mott 
you know, one of, one of my friends that I went to high school with, or, you know, was kind of the, uh, first player at Las Vegas high school that everybody knew who it was. Right. And it's, you know, he said the same thing. He had his, you know, falling away and, and real life experience type stuff, you know, but he went out and made mistakes. Right. But now that makes us more relatable as you know, we, we feel that we are more relatable. Absolutely. So I don't even remember this leader's name. I don't know why she was talking about this, but that was the start or like the pinnacle for me leaving the church. And then on top of it, I hate to say this and it's like so cringeworthy, but I was like popular in school and ooh, I, I was that girl. So I, a lot of the girls that were in my ward at the time, there was, there was wards. There was like a lower ward and a higher ward. It was literally like low on the hill and high on the hill. And we were in the lower ward on the hill and I didn't have any like relationships with any of the girls, really. One of the girls was a cheerleader, but she was like, I wasn't close with her or anything. And I feel like there were lots of rumors about me. And so I felt really uncomfortable being there. So I just stopped going. Um, and in turn, those rumors, I ran with them. And I was like, well, if they're going to say them about me, I might as well do it. You thought it was and fake. I it made... was like double jeopardy. You're like, I'm already guilty of this, but what does it matter if I actually do it now? <laughs> exactly. So anyways, I partied and had a great old time. And this all started and... essentially when you were around the age of 13. Yeah. Which, which is, wild. is wild. Yeah. And then into, into high school, right? And it's, you know. We were still going and doing things, but it wasn't like we were super active, right? Because you stopped going. We stopped going on a regular basis because you were, when me and Bryce were traveling at tournaments. Yeah, they were gone and out of town. Yeah. So why, so so why would I go? Exactly. Um, so your so whole family would be I, out of the house and it would just be you at home? Yeah. But get this, wow. I've never had parties at my house. Sounds like a missed opportunity. A serious missed opportunity. I was deathly afraid afraid of my dad. Like, I thought for sure he would come home and kill me because he would know that, like, the salt was moved. Like, he he would know. The Harper clan suffers from OCD, okay? So we have things in our spots, okay? And we will know. I I met obviously oh I, I would like to say I know Ron and Sherry um <laughs> pretty well at this point. I mean not I mean not very well, but like you know, we had a, we spent a solid amount of time together and uh I would say that this tracks. This uh this checks out. They uh the as they're salt of the earth people, speaking of salt. Like they are the nicest people in the world. But as I could see you guys growing up where it's like they lay down the law. Like you don't cross them. You don't try and push that. You don't mess with that. So that makes sense to me. And they're very particular. So I just knew, and I know my dad had eyes like watching the house, which was great. But like, I was never, people would be like, oh, your parents are gone. Let's have a party at your house. I'm like, nope, I'm not dying this week. Like, no way. Okay. All right. But 
so anyways, fast forward, I'm 21. I just turned 21. Let's, yes, I remember that. I was, I had just turned 21 and I started to feel like, I, so the boy I was dating, he was a great guy and I actually was like, man, I'm probably going to marry this guy, but he wasn't a member. He was not a member and we weren't good for each other. Like in retrospect, um, super toxic looking back, but he was a great guy, super nice. Um, but we partied hard and that's, I kept thinking like, if I have kids, like, what's that look like? Like what, is this what my house is going to look like? And I just remember thinking like, I didn't want that for my kids. And in lateral laterally, I was also having these weird dreams. I'm a dreamer. Um, as a matter of fact, like I, I think Brian's a dreamer. My dad's a dreamer. And we have these like dreams that, I hate to say it like this, but like <laughs> tell the future, but it's not like, I, I, that sounds so weird, but like, I feel like, I feel like that's my spiritual gift. Harper, I've got a uh, story for you too, after this about okay. dreaming and seeing things. So just to, just yeah. to, you know, solidify her point of us seeing things and then you kind of dreams about me. Is that what we're getting at? Yeah. We yeah. all hate you. <laughs> <laughs> also, also checks out. I get it. So I had this dream and it wasn't just one dream. It was, there were two reoccurring dreams and, um, they're really sacred to me. And I know for a fact that it was like pushing me back to the church. Um, but I kept having this dream that Christ knocked on my door and asked me where I went. And that that's the first of two dreams. And that was one that happened night after night after night. And I ignored it for so long. And then there was another dream and it was during the second coming and the world was dark, but there was this hill of sand, which I feel like everybody can relate to this, like this hill of sand where you're treading sand, trying to get to the light. And the light is at the top of the hill and Christ was teaching. And I tried so hard to get to the top of this mountain and I just couldn't. And I'm like, I'm in the darkness. Like I can't get out. And so I had these two super heavy and like deep dreams over and over and over. And it's probably from when I turned 20 until I turned 21. Um, and at that point, I woke up one morning and I was like, holy crap, I need to heed this dream. But that awkward return and requirement to return of seeing a bishop just, like, killed me. I did not want to do it. In turn, I, like, had to break up with this guy who I cared about. And so it was just this, like, culmination of things. And 
<clears throat> so we did end up breaking up and then literally not even a couple weeks later <laughs> this is wild so i go back i talk to my bishop his name is bishop timothy he was a stud and i you telling you saying that it was awkward to go back to your bishop and like divulge these things that you'd done like a female sitting across from a man is like so awkward so i'm like dreading it thinking like i have to have like a full conversation yeah and and we've talked about this before about the dis disciplinary council right of the fact that that we're so happy that they finally changed those things because i mean harper going in with 12 men sitting on the other side of the table it's like that's intimidating for us. I and didn't even like, have that. Right. Yeah, I, know. I didn't have this. talking about that. Right. talking about just the bishop. Yeah. But that, we, we did talk about just that. Just the too. bishop in general, right? Just one-on-one yeah. -on -one with another. Like, that's, it sucks. But, but I thought I would have to have a disciplinary council. I had no idea what, like, the classifications were at that time. And, I mean, this is, when was this? 12 years ago? That's 2011? I mean, a year before you married your missionary husband. Okay, so 2010. Oh, spoiler alert. Sheesh. Spoiler alert. Yeah, wow. Throw it out there, Brian. <laughs> Get to the meat already. I want to oh, know wow, the no. story again. I These love are important it. parts, though, I think. Um, because They are. I, I did talk. I did. We, I know you and I talked about this, Brian, where, like, just even what I, I, I commented on the intimidating aspect of me being in that room talking with my bishop. But I was also saying, like, I felt, <laughs> and I'll quote myself here, I was like, don't be a bitch and just own it and go do it. And I was like, however, let me qualify. I'm talking about myself that way. Like, I do not Okay, know. but I felt that way. Like, don't be a wimp. Just say yeah. what you got to say. Yeah. Get out there. Like, Jesus is knocking, hello, like, literally knocking at my door in my dreams. And I'm like, I, I've got to do this. I have to, like, yeah. Take and that step. I just didn't want to make it seem like that was a broadly encompassing mentality that I'm like, oh, like everybody should embrace this. I was just more thinking about myself and then specifically as a man because I cannot comment on that dynamic. And I did make yeah, – and, and to your point, that's what I was talking about. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I actually, I actually wanted and to ask Brittany a little bit more of a follow-up with that too because it's interesting to me where people draw that line of being so intimidating – to not just intimidated, but just what are they, what are they scared of? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be scared, but what is it that you're scared of when it comes to coming back to see a bishop in a church that you essentially hadn't really been associated with for a long time, but coming back, like, are you, and, and I mean that sincerely, not like, Oh, what are you scared of? Like, you shouldn't be scared of anything. No, 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 no. You should. Like, I get that. But I mean, is, are you scared? But of, I don't like, even think we should be scared. Like, why, why is there that fear with, I mean, I feel I like Brian's story. I have that question now, yeah, but I, I think initially like looking it back, sense. Absolutely, it does make more sense in your head, but is that like Satan pulling you back and telling so. you it's going to be scary? Yeah. Like. hundred percent, hundred percent. So as a woman, as a female walking in to tell a man sins you've committed and mistakes you've made is very difficult however when i sat down i started to cry for obvious reasons and i should say also i during my time away from the church 
I went to other churches. I went to Catholic church. I went to a predominant Christian church that is local. It's a huge, huge church. It's been it, a lot of people go there and it never felt like home. And I feel like because you, when you're raised in the church, you have a standard of like what church looks like. I think, and I think even extending off of that, by the way, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, not with you guys. I think you guys can know what I'm talking about, but like just with anybody else, like there, there's a, there, there is something to the higher covenants that we believe we've made within our own church that also make us feel like we're more at home, that we just feel potentially, and like I said, I don't want to offend anybody, but there were, in fact, Tad Collister wrote an article right along these lines where it's like you never really feel complete when you go to other religions because you're just like there seems to be something lacking here. Anyway, well, yeah, and I think missing. I think it's a certain I think it's a certain reverence as well, right? That our church has that is very you know, no clapping after you know, uh, talks or you know. Um, musical numbers, things like that, right? There's no, it's very, very reverent and, you know, keep trying to keep that spirit around in in our meetings as much as possible. Even though sometimes I wish that they would like throw some guitar or drums in there just to like liven it up a little, especially when that like one old man stands at the pulpit and like drags down the meeting and you're like, come on guy. Uh, there was a trumpet one time in my family ward growing up. They brought a trump. They got permission for a trumpet, and I remember being like, "This seems out of place," <laughs> but I liked it just a little bit, right? Yeah. Hey, but that's sometimes we want that, right? You know, I'd be down that's... for a set of bongo drums, like to mix it up a little bit. I'd be all in on that. Do you like the bongo? Do you yeah. have you ever seen uh, what's that show called? The Big Bang Theory? Oh, no, I never watched that one. Oh, gosh. We're out on The Big Bang Theory. It's too awkward for us. Yeah. He, Sheldon likes the bongo, and he's like, doop, doop, doop. <laughs> anyways. Um, so, anyways, yeah, when I came back, it, it just felt right, and it was the right timing, and a lot, I mean, literally everything in my life had changed. I had quit my job. I had started doing hair in a salon, Um and broken up with my boyfriend. So <clears throat> talking to the bishop and he's like, all right, you don't even need to say anything. Like, obviously you're remorseful. And I, I didn't say anything. He like, the spirit was strong. He knew that I had obviously beat myself up enough. And I am that type that like has horrible guilt nonstop. Like I have guilt about the dumbest crap. So, um, anyways, I'm crying and he's like, you've already been forgiven. Like before you even walked into this office, you're forgiven. And it was so eye opening to hear that. Like, wait, I've been beating myself up and having such a hard time. And all I had to do was like make this appointment. That was it. Like I just had to be here. And obviously there were like, steps I had to take and things I needed to do. And, um, so I went through that process, but I have a whole thing on why I think that even exists, by the way. In fact, maybe we'll have to share it for the spiritual segment, Brian, but it's like, there is forgiveness 
we, we, we believe like for obvious forgiveness is huge. Like that helps us return back to Christ's presence, but we also have to be transformed in order to return back to Christ's presence. And that's what this next process is, right? It's 100%. It's not just, just, uh, forget forsaking your sins. It's becoming a new person. And that's where it's like, you know what, let's, now let's start kind of from square one, what we can do to move forward. Let's get you calling. Let's get you participating more back in church. Let's get you studying regularly the scriptures, praying regularly, things like that. And that's what takes time. But when it comes to being forgiven, that's instantaneous. And I don't think we talk about that enough personally. Absolutely. It's before, it's as we make the mistake, it's like your sin's already gone. You're good. Um, and I did get a calling and it was probably the best place for me. I, I actually, side note, I had this realization of how great it was because one of our good family friends passed away, uh, beginning of the year, Tracy was beginning of the year. Um, and I was at her funeral and her funeral was packed and she had been asking for me to be in this, in young women's and I'm like, man, why did she ask for me? Like, I'm not active. I wasn't going to church. And she had, like, met with a bishop time and time and time again and just asked for me to be in Young Women's. And the craziest part is that she has two daughters, and then she has a boatload of nieces, and they were all in Young Women's at the time. And so I was like, why do you want me to be their leader? Like... <laughs> You know that I haven't been going to church. What example can I set for them? Like the example of coming so, back. I mean, and then I saw her daughters at the funeral and they told me, "You are our favorite leader." And it's wild to hear that because I was so new and fresh that I was learning so much from them and through their example and their testimonies that I felt so, what's the word? Like, humbled. inspired. Humbled. Yeah. No, I mean. Like, not capable. What's that word? Oh, incapable. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, not, not worthy, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's basically what unworthy. it is. You didn't feel, that, yeah. Un- <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Smart ass. I love it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Oh, not oh, not capable. Can you do that one, Harper? Not capable. Incapable. Yeah, but of you know. Incapable. You 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 just don't feel worthy to be their leader because of your past and you know, and not thinking that you're you know the best example for them at the end of the day, right? And that's, 100%. and that's the hundred percent, the, you know, the adversary doing that to you and, and, you know, saying, yeah, you definitely won't be a good example for them. You know, you're the worst example for them actually, you know, for sure. So anyways, so I'm going through this process. Well, also on the flip side, my now husband was on a mission. He was serving in Las Vegas. This is where it gets good. <laughs> and this is where it gets good. Yeah. So Jordan's serving a mission and he's in Las Vegas. He's been here for about six months and his 
family wanted different things for him and they were praying that he would meet somebody that could be a good suitor for him, I guess. They just um, kind of felt like maybe past relationships that he had been in in his life, they weren't necessarily thinking it was best for him or for the other person, potentially. Yeah. So they're kind of thinking maybe this is a nice, like, fresh start for him going on his mission. Maybe he can meet somebody new out there, which is a, you Absolutely. don't hear that often for missionaries, but. Yeah. So um, he actually didn't want to serve a mission. He, like, drug his feet really hard. Um, he also had an issue with like feeling worthy or feeling like capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. And his dad was actually the Bishop at the time, which talk about like, uh, commit or going and confessing sins. And then it being your dad on top of being your Bishop. Like that's, that's wild. That would be not very great. So anyways, um, he moves into, he gets transferred to our area. Okay. And this is so funny because I, I was obviously cutting hair and doing hair for a living. And so I would do the missionaries here for free as like service. And they don't have very much money. Like they're on their parents' dime and, and get them in, in the house too. Cause you're cutting from, from the house too as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would do their hair at the house, which is illegal, but whatever, you know. Um, it's for the missionaries, okay? Anybody has a problem with that, they can come talk to me. I'll let them know. Mm. Let them watch. So anyways, I, like, make friends with him, and he had a – at the, the first companion he had was, like, normal and funny, and so it was, like, the two of them, and Jordan's pretty funny and, like – outgoing and relatable Jordan's just pretty funny huh all right yeah yeah jordan's hilarious i'll, I'll go to hilarious. i'll go to i'll go to bat for jordan okay jordan's hilarious how, yeah, how dare you disparage brian's boyfriend like that who also happens to be your husband that's my brother that's my brother <laughs> okay i can't like toot his horn though that that seems stupid i can't like say oh hey my husband's the coolest guy like that sounds it's like oh yeah, yeah Jeff, he's your husband. that's exactly what you're supposed to do I don't know. I kind of agree with Brian here. I kind of want my wife to do the same thing if that ever happens. <laughs> okay, Jordan's the coolest guy on the planet, okay? There he we is. go. Hands down. Yeah. He can play a mean guitar. He's got a great singing voice. Like He also gives hilarious. these lectures across the country where people pay tons of money. He goes, oh, wait, hold well, sorry. I keep getting him. He's on Joe Rogan all the time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Wrong with Brian. Clean your room. <laughs> Just the <laughs> oh my gosh okay so he has a great companion to start and then he gets this companion which I, I i thought this guy was a little off like he was older he was probably 28 which is very old for a mission and so i think he got like special permission to go on the mission and I had no idea of anything else happening, but there was a situation at our house. And again, going back to Ron Harper, he's a great guy, salt of the earth. But he's very particular. So they were over at our house having dinner and we, I had just cut their hair and <clears throat> they were playing pool. We had a pool table in our house growing up. And this kid was like, just being a jerk. 
And so my dad was like, hey, leave him alone, like saying this to the jerk. And he was like being rude leaving Jordan. Jordan alone. Yeah, leaving Jordan, Jordan alone. Like, hey, leave him alone. If you have an attitude, you can go stand on the porch and wait for him to be done. Like, kicked this kid out. Didn't actually kick him <laughs> out, but, like, told him, like, you can excuse yourself if you're going to act like an idiot in my house. Like, don't act that Love way. It. Love it. So, anyways, come to find out, this guy, like, threatened to kill Jordan on his mission. Yeah. Like, it's a crazy story. You're, you would have to have him on to tell that story, but it... We may have to. It sounds like make a make a great missionary stories podcast or something. Let's freaking look into that. We'll shut. We'll table that. Wild. Yeah. So this was his companion for two whole no three transfers, and so they lost all their investigators, (laughs) and they were at members' houses only. So they spent a lot of time at our house, and so I got to get I got to know him, and it wasn't like weird. I wasn't sitting on a couch holding his hand. I, there was nothing creepy that happened. Like people always ask like, Oh, did you guys make out? I'm like, absolutely (laughs) not. Like, what? Did you guys hold hands? No. What? That's weird. We were never alone. Did you guys just sit there and stare at each other deeply into each other's eyes? Right. Anyone have to ask you that one? (laughs) No, it's just so uncomfortable. Everyone's so awkward. But anyways, so Mind you, I'm going through the repentance process. So I'm like in that spot where it's like you're spiritually like very sound and you're renewed. It's like, yes. And you're like constantly getting these like premonitions and these thoughts and these feelings and whatever. So he came to say goodbye to our family and tells us, oh, hey, I'm being transferred. I'm going to Panaca, Nevada, which is like northern Nevada. It's a small little town. And I, we were like, okay, see you later. Like my mom's like, you need to get his email address or his address and write him and keep in touch with him. And I was like, you're nuts, mom. I can't do that. That's against the rules, Sherry. Like, what are you thinking? It was it actually against the rules. It was. Well, I to mean, right. To uh, that kind of makes sense if they're in your mission. That kind of makes sense. Yes. So yeah. the tech. I mean, there's a technicality there because I was coming back to church so i'm technically an investigator at that point but like uh more less active more like it but yeah less yeah, active yeah. but like yeah. you do know what i'm saying like there's that you, like you fit a qualification that, where missionaries can help you there's truth to that yes yes but i knew that it was wrong so i was like no mom <laughs> well anyways she got his email address and gave it to me his address so we did communicate your mom got it for you wrote, yes that's funny so i love it Um, but when he left and I closed the door, I had a spiritual feeling that I was going to marry him. Like spirit came over me and said, you're going to marry this man. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) shake that off. One, I have always said I would never marry a return missionary. I would always, whatever. Wait, wait, you didn't want to marry a return missionary? I think it was because I was a teenager and everyone was so like, only return missionary, only return missionary. And I was like, not a good uh, kid. So you just I was wanted like, to go against the grain. I guess. Yeah, it was that. But you know, uh, to that, I feel like anything you say that's like, I will never do this. God's like, uh, we'll see. Just kidding. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is there? There's the old saying. It's like, uh, 
make plans and wait for God to change them. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Right. It's like, okay, well, nah, nah, actually, here you go, bud. You know, the, uh, my my dad would kind of made a similar joke. He's like, if you ever want to make God laugh, just tell him you have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's that's exactly, exactly it. Exactly, so, man. Um. So, anyways, we're writing letters, and it was never anything about he and I. It was always like, "Hey, how are your investigators?" Oh hey, I read this scripture. Oh, I did X, Y, and Z for my cousin. Um, it was very, like, surface level. He told me a lot of stories about his mom, who is amazing. Um, but all of his stories were, like, about his childhood and how great she was. And um, I distinctly remember one that he, like, he's from Wyoming. So, you know, middle of nowhere, they can see the stars. And his mom set up this like tent thing on their trampoline so that they could sleep in it all night. And the whole family slept on the tent and they looked at stars. So it was just like stories about his family, his childhood, his life. And looking back, like I know more about him because of that. And especially with the impersonable way that dating is, now especially like where you're not like getting down to those like thing those memories of life and things that like make you who you are like I got all those from him without even knowing that I was getting them from him type of thing so yeah it was you were yeah I get that because like there's there's certain like stipulations when it comes to being a romantic interest that you kind of have to naturally abide by to play it cool or play the game but that wasn't really the case in this situation it sounds like yeah, it, there was no, no game. There, it wasn't even a thing. So in October, we'd been riding for a couple months. So in October, my cousin got married. And then literally like the next week, he sends me, I had sent him an email. So we're emailing and writing. So I'm like delayed on getting his letters back. Um, so I get an email and it was very weird. It was like, Hey, uh, I sent you a letter. I hope you're well. Have a good day. And that wasn't what our letters or emails had been in the past. And so I was like, man, did I do something to like upset him? Like I was super uneasy and uncomfortable about it. And then I got this letter and it was like a thick letter. <laughs> I was like, crap, what is this? So he sent me a letter and basically said that his mission president had sat him down and asked, Hey, are you talking to anybody? Because he, he was coming home in January. So this is like beginning of November. One of his comps ratted him out. Then it sounds like, no, this is, he, no? he ratted himself out. So he's sitting down meeting with his mission president last transfer. He only has a couple weeks left and he sits down to meet with him and he's like, Hey, are you dating anybody? Are you, do you have anybody that you're, gonna date when you get home like what what plans going forward and I think this is pretty typical where they like start to see what you're gonna do with your life post mission and so yeah there's there that does happen kind of this like departing interview yeah yeah so anyways he's like yeah I'm writing some people he had a few friends he was writing and he's like oh anybody that you're like 
you like? And he's like, mm, no, not really. Like still it didn't like click for him. And he's like, well, I am writing this one girl from the mission and his mission president. I like basically fell, fell out of his chair. Like was like, I'm sorry. What? Like, has she come <laughs> up to see you? Did she meet you? Like, just like so many random questions. And he's like, no, like, why would she come and meet me? Like, does, does she have your cell phone number? And he's like, no, what? Like, he's like, oh, how are you communicating? Well, anyways, so he told him he had to write me off. And actually, I didn't know this until after we got married. But in that interview, and when he told him that, he said, if she respects you, and like, stops writing you without any push, that she's worthy to go home and marry, which is wild to think about, because still to this, like, still to this point he had no idea that he had feelings for me and me the same so he has to write me a letter telling me that he can't write me anymore <laughs> i feel i'll so be honest I, i'll be honest I, I feel like i'm gonna call bs on that a little bit there had to have been some what? feelings there had to have been okay so when he's writing me this letter he says to like in the letter he's like I can't write you anymore. And I'm really upset about it. So at that point, when he was told he could no longer write me, he had feelings. He realized like, crap, I do have feelings for this girl. Like, and to be honest, when I received the letter, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is really sad. Like, I actually like this guy. And literally up to this point, it was, I was oblivious to it. He was oblivious to it. Well, and it, it was, it, it's as soon as something gets taken away, right? It's like you can't do that. Don't block. don't push don't push the button, right? And everybody's yeah. like, Well, I wanna push the button. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, let me let me let me push it, right? It's like the heart you can't do this anymore. Head. Exactly. Exactly. But um I lost my train of thought. But he said like so he writes me this letter and I was like, Okay, I have to respect him. I don't wanna I don't wanna be a temptation to him in writing him back or saying anything. And my mom's like, you have to let him know that you got his letter. And I was like, no, he'll know without me saying anything that I got the letter. But in the letter, he, um, <laughs> Sherry's sitting there. No, no, no. Break the rules. Just, just once. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't listen to the mission president. Don't listen to all these people. It's like, no, just keep writing him. Yeah. Keep doing that, Brittany. Jeez. Talk about right, the adversary. Jeez, though. Sherry. Personally, though, I get it. I, I get where Sherry's coming from. Where if he says, I sent you a letter over email, you could have just, you could respond to that and be like, got it. Yeah. That simple. So I just was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Back to the email. And so, anyways, I'm reading this letter and I'm like, man, I really like this guy. And I had already had that feeling, that premonition that I was going to marry him. And then in the letter, he gives me his mom's name and address. And home phone number. So I'm like, well, that's awkward. What do I do with that? Like, yeah, did you what would you do with that? that? Like, no, none. And so I did end up reaching out to her and asking, like, when he was coming home. And it took me a long time. So mind you, this is November. It was probably beginning of January. I finally, like, bit the bullet and, like, reached out and was like, uh... I guess I kind of have feelings for your son. I met him on the mission. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, That's crazy. I'm wondering if we could come 
and listen to his homecoming talk. When is that going to be? Whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> My mom and I flew out to Wyoming for his homecoming talk. Awkward. <laughs> We still talk about it. It's so awkward. Oh my god! It was gosh. awkward. So cringe. It was Sounds so awkward because you know, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know how awkward missionaries are when they come home. Yes, hundred percent. And then a girl like, like hug you. Oh, Harper, Harper, Harper hasn't uh, gotten out of the awkward phase yet. Yeah, I don't. I'm so I'm so deep into the awkward phase. I don't even know I'm in the awkward phase. <laughs> So like, I can't even be sarcastic. I have to be like so straight laced, no nothing, no nonsense. Like you would, you're way past that with your sarcasm. But thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> so he, we go and visit, and we start dating, and we get married a year later. But that initial meeting was awkward. The whole thing was awkward, but. Kind of anticlimactic at that point. But then the rest is here. Like, when did, when did you guys kiss? How about that? Um, I went back afterwards. So, like, he got he actually got back the same day we got married, which is... No. He got back January 11th, and then his talk was on the day that we ended up getting married, which wasn't, like, on purpose. It just ended up being oh, that that's way. that's kind of cool. Yeah. So... Wyoming in January. January. If you could withstand that, you're. It was meant to be. <laughs> There's <laughs> truth to that. It was. It was wild. But, um, I, I went and visited a couple weeks later by myself without my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I brought my security blanket. Mind you, I have like horrible anxiety. I have horrible, horrible depression. Like. I'm and I just like jumped to go and meet this guy and his family in his home. I'm like, could you imagine? Like, it, that could have gone so so bad. It's true <laughs> for so many Especially reasons. Considering considering that there might have been some loose ends not tied up on hit on his side of things with like past relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm just like, surprise! Here I am. So. <laughs> Anyways, I ended up moving there in, like, uh, October of the year he got back just to see if, like, the relationship had somewhere to go because we were dating long distance. And, you know, when you do long distance, it's kind of like a party every time you see each other. It's, like, not really, like, a real relationship until you're, like, actively seeing each other every single day. And I don't want to, like discredit anybody in a long distance relationship but it's different because it's always exciting when you see a different dynamic yes um so i was like you know what if we're gonna do this if you're serious if i'm serious i need to move there um he was going to school and i knew my career could go anywhere um and it was actually a, a good time because in las vegas at the time i was still recovering from the um, recession. And so people weren't really getting their hair done. It was, everyone was kind of in a hard situation still. So I left, went to Wyoming and we got married three months later. So 
four months later. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Now three months is right. I think right October to January. Yeah. 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 Three months. But um, did he propose right when he moved there? Basically. No, he proposed just before Thanksgiving, and he, this is pretty cool. But he repo- he proposed in the middle of a frozen lake. Oh wow! So I like guess he walked me out into the middle of the lake, and I was terrified. Have you ever been on an icy lake? No, actually, I don't think I have. You walk out there, and it's like, and it like cracks. You can hear the cracks in the. Ice. I'm like, I'm for sure gonna die. What are you doing? I saw Iron Will as a kid, really young. Not was never gonna live that, you know, never gonna <laughs> live that experience myself. Traumatized. It, it, it is a it is a weird experience to have because I went ice fishing two years ago with Jordan, and getting out there was the same thing. It was like this is this is nuts. Like seeing this, so um, and hearing it because you it it's you step foot on there. You're like, uh, I'm not supposed to be on this. I'm, I'm walking on water right now. So, well, and it's kind of a good situation to propose to somebody. Cause it's like telling God, like, Hey, if you don't want this to happen, just break the ice. Well, then we'll know. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, good. Very good. Harbor. Love it. Make it easy on yep. him to tell, you no. that's a, that's another life yes. rule. <laughs> Very punny, also. That oh. was very punny of you. Oh, thank you. Break um, the ice. Yeah. So, I got one question, really, only because that was that was a great story. I didn't, there's not much to say. I just it's cool to hear those stories. It's cool to hear people's processes when it comes to joining or rejoining the church and reestablishing a testimony in that foundation of the gospel. But, um. I'm curious about this. When it comes to the things you've experienced in life, and for better or for worse, right? And I, and I do believe that you know we learn from all our experiences, no matter what they are. I don't think we should contrive, like concoct certain experiences in order to say, "Oh, I did this just so I would know not what not to do." But like whatever we do to learn from it, how do you? And maybe you haven't addressed this yet, but how have you thought about maybe addressing something like this with your kids? Because there's the component where it's like, I don't want to just openly talk about this. So that way it is like pseudo encouraging them to experience it on their own. But at the same time, you also want to be very clear about how forgiveness works and that they can repent of these things. And because I did, you know, I've been there and I've done that and and the atonement is real, repentance is real, God loves you, and he always wants you to return no matter what. So is there some sort of sweet spot, potentially, and I'm not ex- I'm not expecting you to be any type of expert, but just in your experience or things that you've thought through when it comes to how do I use what I've experienced to my advantage when it comes to raising my kids? So Brian can attest to this, but my parents are that example for us, like, my mom and dad, my dad's obviously a convert, so he did whatever he wanted, whatever he did. And my mom is a later in life heart convert. She was a member her whole life, but I feel like she converted spiritually later. And 
they didn't tell us any of the things that they did when we were young. They, but they did have good conversations with us about like making good choices and um, if you ever need us, call us type of thing. And Jordan and I have adopted that. Um, one thing we try to do is tell our kids that if you make a mistake, you need to own it. Um, like, don't be deceitful. Don't try and get out of it by lying. And we actually have this issue with our oldest, who's a boy, our son. And he thinks that if he lies, he'll get out of it. And we're like, no, own it. Like, you made the mistake. Let's rectify it. Say you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness from whoever it is that you have wronged. Um, but I try and tell my, I'm trying, I try to be open with my kids. Like, I've made mistakes. I know what it's like to make mistakes. And Jordan does the same. <clears throat> but... There is a very sweet spot that you have to sit in because I, one, don't want to encourage my kids to make mistakes, but I do want them in a way to make mistakes so that they learn. And so I'm just trying to teach them now that making mistakes isn't the end. It's just you have to own what mistakes you've made, I guess. I don't know. Is that 100%. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, and I, I think it's that fine line too, because they're they're still young, right? We're 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 more or less talking about you know bigger mistakes, you know, but also you you have an understanding of the atonement and the mm -hmm. repentance process and all of this, right? And and how beautiful it can be, and and you know the whole family understands that aspect, right? So we're all able to be examples to them. And, you know, the repentance process is not a, you know, scary crack the whip thing, right? It is a beautiful, forgiving and spiritual experience that, you know, I, I will personally always carry with me, but I'm, I'm sure you will as well. And, you know, I know Harper will, you know, because it's, we, we understand the power of that repentance and, and the atonement, you know, and that, and that perfect atonement that you know, Jesus Christ or perfect sacrifice that Jesus Christ was for us. So something that we might, so my daughter is very to herself and likes to like keep to herself. And the other thing that we're doing in conjunction with like, Hey, ask for forgiveness, whatever with your sibling or your friend or whatever is I'm trying to like remind my daughter that we need to have a good open relationship about talking. I think that's where I lacked in my childhood. Not, I think that's where I lacked as a child is like, I didn't communicate with my mom like I should have, and I should have utilized my mom a little bit better. And so that's where I'm trying to like encourage my kids to not do that. I did, I guess. Um, because I regret not, asking my mom these questions because I think I would have been more inclined to go to the bishop sooner had I had these conversations and not like concealed them and lied and like denied them, I guess. Like, and and that, and that's where you're telling your kids to own it. Right. Yeah, like, yes. Cause, because that's what you wish you would have done was uh, just owned it and just gone it from, from the beginning, you know, but again, we're all on our own timeline to be able to learn these things. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're just hoping that, 
just like why, you know, Moreau and I wrote down all of these things was for, you know, these generations to come to learn from them that they don't have to be in the same shoes that, you know, these people in the Book of Mormon and, and scriptures did. So we don't have to be in them. Right. So you're doing the exact same thing. Hey, own, own your mistakes, you know, be open and, and communicate with us. And, you know, because that's something that you didn't do or you felt that you didn't do when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually was telling Bryce this when he came back to the church. Um, I said to him, I was like, man, I, I'm just glad you came back to the church. And I actually feel bad for being such a bad example to you in leaving the church. And I should have been a better big sister to you. And I struggled so bad thinking that I may, because me and my brothers are respectively very close or were, or are, I don't know. Like, <laughs> were? Whatever. Whoa. Sometimes. Yeah. What Whoa. is that? Were. We, of course we are. We all are. Come on. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's like times where we're not as close as you are, but. All right, everybody, when... get ready for part two when we bring in a family counselor into this episode. <laughs> Let these two uh, hash it out. Uh, the entire family hash it out. Harper, Harper family uh, therapy session. The Harper family. Harper, you're included. Harper. You're included, Harper. And Harper. Yeah, yeah, So I I feel like they're, I mean, I ha- I'm saying like I had a personal relationship with Brian. I had a personal relationship with Bryce. And it was close. I was close with both of them. But when Brian wasn't active, I felt horrible. Like, oh, my gosh, I did him wrong. Or I did something. Like, did you set the tone? To pull. Kind of. Yes, yeah. or I pulled him away by being a bad example. And I had so much guilt. And I never thought, honestly, Brian, like I never thought that he would come back. I prayed that he would come back. but And it wasn't like I thought he was a terrible person, but I just thought he was going to like do his own thing and like this was what he was going to do. And I was cool with it, but I just was so guilty about it. And so I don't want to be that for my kids. I want to be a good example to them and show them right or wrong. And this goes back or ties back to me taking that step when I was having those dreams is that I didn't want to be a bad example to my kids. I didn't want to be a bad example to my future nieces and nephews if that was the potential there. I didn't want to be the aunt that was like, to the wayside or the weirdo or the one that was making bad choices. I don't know. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't solely the church that pulled me back. It was things that I saw that I didn't want to see in my adult life. Like I didn't want my daughters to think these things were okay. And my sons, especially because I was so close with my brothers, like they were my best friends and I didn't want that. I, I don't know. And I think that having little brothers was a good precursor to having kids, I guess, because they would come to me with all of their problems. And I think this is another reason why I like wish I would have more open because they literally would come to me with the most terrible things. Like I, I should not have known half the things that my brothers were telling me. Like my brothers play baseball. They've got mouths. All their friends were the same way. Like, you know, I just, (laughs) 
I, I should not sounds have incredible, been. by the way. And I like she she was I mean, we, we were all we were all closed off, right, to our parents because we didn't want to get in trouble, right? So it's more or less, you know, sis, what should I do? Sis, what should I do? I should just I, killed am, I, am I okay? <laughs> I just killed a guy who's driving. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I mean, talk about talk about coming full circle, right? But like, it's it's Brittany having those feelings, right? Of, you know, not wanting to be an example for her kids, right? And now she's at that point, like she she literally made this plan in her mind to be a good example for her kids, and now her and Jordan are just absolute just phenomenal examples for her kids, for you know, for the nephews and nieces, Bryce's kids, you know, for my, my future kids, wherever they may be, whenever they may come. Um, but it's just, it's so cool to see the full circle of, you know, she, she actually made these plans, right. Of being a good example for her kids. And now, you know, God's like, no, that, that is a good plan. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that that, that plan happens. Um, but no, it's, it's amazing to hear, you know, and I, I just love hearing her story all the time, you know, and we talk about it because we're able to, you know, like I said before, is be a good, good example for the youth in, in, in our wards, in our stakes and, you know, in our city now, you know, be able to be examples for the kids that, you know, sometimes don't feel that we're welcome, you know, but the church has changed completely. And, you know, now the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm able to be a Sunday school president. She's able to be a part of, you know, young women's and, you know, be that example for her young girls in, in her ward. And, you know, it's just, it, it's absolutely amazing. So yeah, it's really cool to hear the full story. And, and I'm, and I'm hoping that, uh, everybody has enjoyed this as much as I have, cause I've, I've heard it so many times, but it's still so enjoyable to, to hear and, and, you know, be excited about oh, a fantastic story. Yeah, no question. Um, my last question is, what did, what did you name your daughter? What's her name? Uh, which daughter? I have two. Ah, dang it. The uh, oldest. Harper. Probably. Ha! Harper is her, is her name. Yeah. So why did you decide to name your daughter after me? I mean, I just knew that one day Brian was going to have a friend, but. <laughs> that was one of those dreams. Coming full circle. It was. It had to have been. <laughs> had to have been. Full circle. Yeah. It's a circle. There it, is. there it is. Love it. Well, with that, I don't see a better way to end, personally. But um, being more of serious, course you don't. obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? It's because it's about, finally we got to me. Now we can end. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> seriously, Brittany, thank you for taking the time to come on. Um, that's a great story. Uh, that's what I love about the format that we're doing right now is that we have the opportunity to get to know people and their stories and it's encouraging and it, it just normalizes the gospel. It makes it seem like it's reachable, it's attainable, that these blessings and these gifts that we can all have on in this life are right there for us, but we have to make the moves on our own. We have to believe it's possible and stories like these help shine a light on the possibility of all that. So thank you again. Really, really helpful. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Hopefully this helps somebody. And I, you know, I want, I do want to say that like taking that step was scary, but doing it, I am so grateful 
that I did because the church isn't scary, like you said. And I feel like the church is pushing more grace and you need to give yourself grace and take that opportunity to feel the Savior's love because he's there and our world is already so sad and lonely. And like, I say that, but also like God makes it better. Christ makes it better. And yeah. Yeah. And if you find that and you feel that you won't turn back, like it's, you won't have any desire to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I want to ask you just along those lines of what you said, like when, when did you feel that relief? And you already kind of mentioned this earlier, but I just want to reiterate this. When did you feel that relief? Because once you got past the daunting aspect of confessing and and going to see your bishop and like riding the ship, when did you start feeling relief? It was literally that day. I walked out and no weight was lifted. It was, I sat down in the chair and he told me, you're already forgiven. And I sobbed some more, and then when I left, I felt like a brand new person. Like, all, and I will say this, I have, I, I said that I have horrible depression and anxiety, and Satan thrives in the unknown and the scary and the dark, and the more you talk about that, the more you voice that you made these mistakes, the more you voice that you have any sort of mental health issue, the more you talk about your past in a, in a positive way. And I'm not telling, I'm not saying like, Hey, tell them you did X, Y, and Z and throw it out there. But the more you give Satan, no place to hide the stronger and the more powerful your spirit is. And the stronger and the more powerful Christ is in you because Satan can't exist there. The darkness is where he hides. The darkness is where he thrives. If he is telling you, Hey, don't do this, do it because it is good and it is worth doing because, and I, and I truly in my heart feel that anyone that's suffering from mental illness, if you would just talk about it openly to everybody, tell everybody, I don't care what you say, just say, I have depression. I have anxiety. I have made these mistakes. Satan cannot live in the, in your truth. He can't live there. So stop hiding behind it. And live who you live and be who you are openly because you'll be better off that way amen to that once again thanks Brittany. love that that's a great example if you're thinking about repenting go out there and do it we promise you you'll feel relief immediately okay okay appreciate it brit Thank <laughs> thanks you. sis love you thanks love you. love you back at it again we're back. We're back. That was a that was a good interview, man. Brittany's Brittany's is yeah, it was. She is a special spirit, and I don't mean that yeah. at all as as a as a slight. It's like as a sweet thing. sweet spirit, yeah. right? Yeah. I didn't say sweet. Exactly. That, that's, that's the right. slight. That's I know. Slight, I know. Because yeah, I didn't that's, say sweet. That's good call. Slight. She's not a sweet spirit. Yeah. She's she's no. she's anti sweet spirit. She's a special spirit. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, it was good, man. I, uh, I love her story and you know, it's, it's always nice. And I hope everybody enjoyed hearing her, you know, struggles of, you know, growing up and, you know, understanding that, you know, you can't let, although we shouldn't let other people affect our testimony and our beliefs, but we do, you know, especially being young and, and, 
influential, but you know, it's, you know, it, it always goes back to, to the parents that we have and, you know, the, the support that they have for us because we all, we all had our struggles, right. Of our, of our testimonies and even all the way up to my grandparents, right. Like they struggled with their testimonies, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Right. But I think that's why we're all on, on, uh, different, um, different paths and different timings of the Lord. And, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna have those moments where, you know, somebody's going to come into your life that may have a stronger testimony and, um, be able to prop you up while you regain yours, you know, and I know me and you have talked about that on multiple occasions, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking for people to prop me up and, you know, we, I think we've both been able to prop each other up and oh, same yeah. thing with my buddy Clay and, you know, um, obviously my family, my, my grandparents, my, you know, my assistant coach up at, at the high school, you know, it's just, it's so cool to have, you know, people out there that can prop you up when, when you need it most. So before um, you get to the your, one thing uh, I wanted to go ahead. Real, yeah, real quick, go ahead. I just wanted to say, I, I wanted to, and, and I just think it's really cool that Brittany could come on and talk about things like that in a vulnerable light. And I want more of that. I think that's really like, I think it's interviews like that that are very strengthening for a lot of people. In fact, I would say the time where I get the most feedback on a podcast is when people are being vulnerable, whether that be myself or somebody else. And a lot of times people will write in and say, hey, thanks so much. Like that was really helpful. So Brittany is an example of that where it's like she just is like, hey, like I had my issues. I had my problems. Like I had my doubts. and But I knew this and that and the other. And that's what I was – you know, reaching towards and that's where I got to where I am now. And it's, is it over? Yeah. No, of course the battle's not over, but you know, it's, she's getting a little bit stronger every day. So. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So the one thing I want to talk about, and we actually talked about kind of in the interview, in the interview was the, the dreaming aspect of, of the Harper clan. Um, I've had, I've had a couple instances of, you know, seeing, the Lord or, you know, Jesus Christ in my dreams and things like that. I have had one where I've seen him come out of the, out of the sky during second coming, the clouds went dark and I see this light in the sky and type thing. Um, but the main one that I wanted to share was I was actually at, um, the house that we moved into, um, when I got to high school, my freshman year, we moved into this house into Las Vegas high school's, uh, school zone area. And <clears throat> I remember coming out of the house and he was on our basketball court. Jesus Christ was on our basketball court. And I go, Oh my gosh, Jesus, it's so good to see you. And he goes, who are you? And I go, I'm, I'm Brian. Like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know who you are. He's like, what are you talking about? Just completely just. And then I wake up out of it and I can still see it vividly in my head, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, like, so when, when we say we have dreams, like we really do have dreams. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. So that one, like I, I wanted to add that, um, because you know, this is our spiritual segment. Um, uh, but yeah, that one, uh, that one stuck with me. And that was when I was really struggling with my anxiety and my depression type stuff. Right. It was almost like, Hey, you, you want to get out of this, you know, rut that you're in of, of being, you know, seeking darkness out, like. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who you are. You know, you like you. You got to come to me, and I can. I can help you out, type thing. Um, but yeah, so that one, and then uh, 
I actually had one last week as well, which is crazy that they were even talking about this. So I was heading up to the high school for uh, practice and I'm sitting at this light just down the street from, from the high school. And the night before I had almost this like nightmare, like wake up and it was me running a red light and getting into a car accident and waking up. And I was like, I've never, I, like, when, when was the last time you had, like, a nightmare like that, right? Like, that's, like, a little kid thing, like, you know, falling off a cliff, like, waking up type thing. Um, but, yeah, I had it, and I was, like, woke up, whatever. Later in the day, sitting at this light, this old man runs a red light, cuts across the lanes of traffic. I'm sitting further back, right? Hits this car, flips over onto this curb, rolls, rolls, hit the, hits a guy on a bike, and then lands into like a big uh, like kiosk sign, like the you know they have that in parking lots with all the businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. I don't know. I, I it's not a kiosk. It's not a kiosk, but, but yeah, I mean, it's like a, yeah. it's a show. It says big, bus, this business park, and then it has like all the yeah. companies on there. Yeah, all the names of the businesses yeah. exactly. So it rolls and then lands on his roof, and he's sitting there. And meanwhile, this guy that got hit by the bike, he's he's over by this water station. Uh, getting up and rolling around. And I was like, Oh, and I'm literally sitting there. Like I almost like freeze up. Cause I'm like looking over and like, uh, and then I see this one guy like run over, make sure the guy's okay. I pull, I go off road. I jump in through this planner into this parking spot, um, get out and like, make sure me. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of people running over and checking on the guy on the bike. And then the guy in the car, things like that. Um, cops end up showing up, you know, Hey, you know, leave him in there. Like he's, you know, he, is he, is he alive? You know, he, they make sure he's okay. You know, they didn't want to move him because obviously don't want to, you know, if you move somebody with a major injury, like dude could literally be paralyzed. Right. So, um, but yeah, Farley, three or four other vehicles, like within the, on the street, were all involved in this guy and the cop, cause I was standing back a little bit and cop goes, was anybody else involved? I go, well, they were, you know, there's a couple of cars over here. I said, but there was a guy with a bike standing over here and I like turn around and I like, uh, and he's like, there was a guy on a bike that got hit. I go, yeah, he was standing over here. I was like, I don't know where he went. He's like, he just left. I go, I guess I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, he, he's gone. <laughs> he's not here anymore. He's like, Wait, there was a guy that got hit by a bike. I get, yeah, he's not here, man. I was like, I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> so he's like, well, uh, he's like, did you see everything that happened? I go, I mean, all I saw was him hit the curb and flip over and then hit the guy on the bike. And I saw the guy in the bike and now he's gone. He goes, well, he's like, do you got to go? I was like, actually, I do. He's like, okay. And there was like probably four or five of the people that are all going to give statements and stay around. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go. Um, but yeah, left there and then didn't realize it until I got home that night and went, you know, got ready to go to bed that I was like, oh my gosh. It was like, I had that dream of the me running a red light. Oh, and I was just like completely mind blown on, on that later that night. So yeah, when, uh, when, when we say we have dreams, we do have dreams. Dang, dude. That's wild. That's pretty yeah. wild. Um, yeah. Okay. Going back to your first dream though, I have a scripture for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matthew 7 starts in 20, ends in 23. 
It says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And this is 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. you, like, I mean, based on your dream, like you went up to Christ, the one that should know everybody, the one that died for our sins. And he said, hey, mm-hmm. like, why, like, how's things? <laughs> and he's like, right. who are you? And that's, that's probably what the, you know, somewhat is tied to that. Because you said you were going through like your tough times with all that and probably having doubts and things like that. And it's like, gosh, maybe I don't want Christ to not recognize who I am. Maybe that's why I need to go back. Yeah get back on the path, things like that. And I think that that's what has, has stuck with me, right, over the years. It, because it, it wasn't like I immediately came back. This was back in, in 2012, 2013 when I was really struggling with that. Um, but that one specific dream does stick with me because it's like, you know, and I can recall it in my head, you know, but it's like, no, like I want him to know me, you know, and I and I hope that he knows me. And I, I mean, I, I know that he knows me now, right, like because I'm, I, I know him better. Right. And as much as I wanted to during the dream, be like, Oh, I I know who that is. Right. It's like, yeah, you do know, but does he know you? Like, do you talk to him? Do you, Mm -hmm. you know, do you, do you worship him? Do you pray like all of the, you know, things that we should do? Um, but yeah, so it, uh, that one, I think that'll always stick with me. Those, those two dreams definitely. Um, but yeah, I was, I was just mind blown last week. The fact that I was like, I dude, I literally saw me run a red light and then I see, another person do it. I was like, what? Yeah, that is, is wild. That is wild. <laughs> uh, All right. So yeah. What, what's yours? I mean, I, we kind of talked about it during hers and I think it's cool that we both had kind of some spiritual thoughts yeah, we on tied what it, she was talking about. Kind of tie a bow on this episode. Cause this is a so- yeah. subject I've obviously thought about a lot where, you know, I think we, I think it's easy to conflate repentance and the idea of exaltation, essentially. Like once we repent and are clean, then it's like we've made it, which isn't the case, right? Repentance simply means we will not have to pay for the sins we've committed on this earth. But when it comes to being prepped and being able to have a higher calling, so to speak, right? That comes with that exaltation. Like that does take time. It just does because we have to learn that. In other words, I don't think we're going to get to the end and it, at the finish line, God's going to say, okay, whoever is the cleanest, snap of my fingers, you're good, you're exalted. I think God's going to say, who wants to exalt themselves now? Yeah. I think he's going to say, like, thank you for getting through this earth, like life and, and, and in a reasonably sound manner. You have all been forgiven of your sins, whether or not you did it yourselves or whether you had to utilize the atonement, whether you had to actually go into outer darkness and pay for them on your own. That's that. It's a level playing field now. Here are the kingdoms. Which one do you choose to enter? And for those that want to, we'll say, I would like to pursue more truth, more knowledge, more light. Those are the ones that go to the celestial and even the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. That's how I kind of see it, right? And that will take a lot of time. That's why we have eternity because it will take eternity Mm -hmm. for us to achieve this. Um, So these are some references in the Book of Mormon that I've come across that kind of point to this idea. Alma the Younger says he was redeemed by the Lord. Messiah 27, 23. But what if he had ended there and not 
zealously strived to repair all the injuries which they had done to the church, and which is what it says in Mosiah 27.35. And I believe it's because repentance comes, then forgiveness, and through forgiveness we can be redeemed, but then we have to be transformed. And that's, the trans- that's part of the transformation. He went to zealously repair all the wrongs that he had done to the church. And this is what other things that I've written on in this con- context. Sometimes transportation, transformation, <laughs> transportation, sometimes transformation will take time, but sometimes it won't. It took Alma the Younger two days to have that transformation, right? A major transformation. Now, granted, transformation isn't just one time. It's not just one thing. I think we're constantly mm-hmm. transforming ourselves to become better people, and there's many different facets of that. And that's what I said. I said, a side note, it didn't end there. He had to continue fasting, praying, proselytizing, etc., to still make his calling an election made sure, which goes along with that reference that we talked about while I was down there in Vegas in your ward that your stake president gave, Alma 540, I already forgot it, 44, 46, one of those. 46. 46. Nice. Good job. Good memory. Where he asks people rhetorically, how do you suppose that I know these things are true? And he doesn't talk about the one time the angel came down and basically like recorrected his life. He said two things specifically. I had fasted and I had prayed. Those two things help towards our transformation. Um, so what I think happens sometimes is that we, you know, maybe the church as a construct, human construct, will put an arbitrary time constraint on some things because everybody deals with transformation aspects differently. So that's when you hear like, oh, you probably shouldn't take the sacrament for a month or three months or be without your temple recommend for six months. You know, you see that a lot, especially with disciplinary councils, or I should say now membership councils, you're going to have to be out of the church for a year basically, or things like that. Right. And why is that? I think it's because they want that transformation to take place in that time. But anyway, it's best to have that blueprint probably, as opposed to saying, let's play everything by ear. Granted, that's where the spirit can be really strong and help the leaders kind of guide and, and help the people that they oversee to get to that point of transformation. But anyway, in Moroni 6.8, it also talks about kind of repentance being immediate. Sort of. It doesn't necessarily say the word immediate, but it does say this. It says, but as oft as they repented and sought forgiveness with real intent, they were forgiven. As oft as they sought yeah, repentance, I th- they were forgiven. I, th- I think the the caveat is the with real intent. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you can you can offhand uh, just forgive me for this. For sure. You know? But it's like it's not like real intent. Yeah, yeah. Right. Real it's, it's broken heart, contrite spirit and type thing. And through yeah. that real intent, you'll be forgiven every time. And this is what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. I said this goes to show that repentance, forgiveness, and cleanliness are I think instantaneous. However, it takes a transformation to truly change, which takes time, sometimes longer than others. You can be forgiven in a day, but you won't be changed from bad habits to good habits in a day. Right. Yeah. That's that's a very good one right there because we all we all know that right. It's, it's definitely hard to to break those habits to be able to you know fully become um, you know where you want. I mean, to there's be. a natural component yeah. to these things, right? Like our bodies get yeah. primed and used to working in the same way. Like you can repent of, of an addiction, but that addiction won't be gone once you repent. No, right? Everybody knows yeah. that. And so what does that mean? Can you enter the celestial kingdom with an addiction? Probably not. But can you still enter the celestial kingdom having repented and then transformed from that addiction? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's why these things take time. Furthermore, that's why it's even more important to do that while on this earth. Because I think it means more. Because once you die, 
and you're a spirit and you say, oh, well, I can't even smoke a cigarette right now if I wanted to, so I guess I'll stop. And, and like, sure, like, there is that component where it's like, oh, good for you, like, gl- glad. But with that said, I would imagine the desire is still there, and I don't know how you deal with that desire in the spirit world. That's a little bit nuanced and a little bit deep for me, but all I'm saying is I'm making the point that if you really want to prove to God that you want to follow him, now is the time. And how many times does it say that in yeah. scriptures? Well, at least, like, twice, yeah. so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> don't well, don't delay right yeah. i mean that's go out and you know do as the lord commanded you know yep. i shall go i shall do so um just to add on what you uh were talking about the to become right like and we've talked about this before because i i use that line in that talk i gave in church was and you gave me that was it's not about becoming, but to become, right? Because we want to become more like him and, you know, every day that we can do that, it's, you know, becoming more perfect. Um, two weeks ago, we were talking uh, Matthew 5 in Come Follow Me. And um, I have a uh, daily reflections on the New Testament um, book that my mom gave me at the beginning of the year. Uh, Jesus, the very thought of D is called, and it's daily reflections on the New him. Testament by... Is that what it is? Uh, the hymn's name that, yeah. I believe that's from okay. him, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's by Robert uh, Millet, Millet, Millet? Millet. He wrote the and, foreword in the Infinite Millet. Atonement. Oh, okay. And then Lloyd uh, Newell. Oh, yeah. We talked about him. Do you remember Did we? Do you remember who he is? Mm-hmm. He's the guy that, uh, I don't know, I don't think you call him a narrator, <laughs> but... I mean, he does narrate the music in the spoken word, but he's the voice you hear every time for General Conference. This has been the 175th semi-annual General Conference. That's Lloyd Newell. There you go. Okay. Uh, Cool. I did not know that. Well, I knew that because you told me that. That is is a very cool aspect. Um, But it actually is cool because today is actually March 7th. So it's funny that this has actually worked out for the thing. So I actually... For our listeners, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Who knows? Um, but it is this week. Um, but, I mean, back when we were studying it, it was, what, February 24th week, I believe? Um, but, yeah, so I fast-forwarded kind of to see if they had that scripture because we talked about that in Sunday school, about um, Matthew 5.50, about being perfect, right? So it says, um, and they give the Joseph Smith ma- uh, translation on Matthew 5.50, uh, well, actually, hold are, on, real quick, just to be clear. 548, I believe. I was going to say, yeah, because there isn't a 50. It ends at 48. Yeah, but I think in the Joseph Smith translation, it goes to 550, maybe? Really? I don't know. But this one has it as Joseph Smith translation, Matthew 550. Okay. But it is 548, just Matthew 548. Uh, ye, ye are therefore commanded to be perfect, even as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. Right. And a lot of people have hangups on this being like, I'm not perfect. And, and the teacher talked about his mom and how she has a hold up on this pic on this. Right. And he's like, my mom's a saint. Like there's, there's no way she's not walking in right with no like holdbacks, no nothing. Right. She's going to the social kingdom. Like she, she's there. Like there's no question of like, no doubt in my mind. Right. But her hangup is she's like, I'm not perfect. And this was the one scripture that she, you know, goes to and she reads and she hates, you know, reading it. And I guess a lot of people do get hung up on it. But my understanding behind it is like we're not, nobody's perfect, right? But 
um, in this book, they go, they give like little uh, excerpt on it and um, it goes, the commandment to be perfect takes our breath away. Spiritually speaking, teaching us that uh, we cannot lower the standard held out to the followers of the Christ. Uh, rather, our task is to view our challenge with perspective, to see things as they really are and as they really will be. The Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who has led a perfect life, doing all things right and never and never taking a moral detour or a backward step, calls upon us to lean upon him and his perfection as we do our best to become like him. Thus, we become perfect in Christ. We, are conf- we have confidence in him, uh, rely upon his mercy, and trust in his redeeming grace. Those who inherit the highest heaven are just men and women made a perfect, made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out uh, this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. DNC seventy six sixty nine. Um, but yeah, that goes to what we're talking about, right? That's why Jesus Christ died for us. It's the perfect atonement for us to be perfected through him and that's you know that's all it is is. right we're we're gonna fail we're human we're gonna fail but we have belief we have the knowledge right we have that we have a perfect sacrifice perfect atonement for us to be able to be redeemed to become perfect amen to that man Freaking love it, and and it's it's interesting when you see other Christian religions try and interpret that scripture specifically. Like, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis, I think, in Mere Christianity, um, in fact, I could probably find this quote pretty quickly. Talks about that scripture, and C.S. Lewis was part of the Church of England, which not a lot mm-hmm. of people are familiar with. The Church of England, I I certainly am not. Um, but what I do know is that one of the foremost scholars on Christ is um, is also from the Church of England. Who's, his name is, I think it's Frederick Farrar, F-A-R-R-A-R. Mm-hmm. And he's actually quoted a lot in the Infinite Atonement. Um, and C.S. Lewis, so these two guys that are part of the Church of England, a little side note, like have a pretty good relationship with Christ and understanding of his divinity. This is what he said mm-hmm. in, uh, I want to say it was mere Christianity, but he said, Christ, he said, C.S. Lewis says, quotes 548, be therefore perfect even as I am. That Christ never talked vague idealistic gas. When he said be perfect, he meant it. He meant that we must go in for the full treatment. It is hard, but the sort of compromise we are all hankering after is harder. In fact, it is impossible. It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present, and you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. You must be hatched or go bad. Love that. That's basically you said that because we, we, yeah, we, well, we, we shared this text thread, which is cool. Um, so we've already talked about this, but I, I love that quote. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, and it's, if you're if you're not progressing, right? If you're not progressing, you're going to go bad. Right, you're going to go backwards if you're not moving forward. If you're sitting idle, right, you're going to go backwards. You always have to be going one percent better, trying to get better every day, and you know, not putting pressure on yourself that you 
do that every day, but you know, holding yourself to a higher standard. Right. And that's the, that's kind of going back to what I said, what that quote said. It's like, you have to, you have to be, you have to hold yourself to that higher standard because he, the only way to get to be able to live with him again is living that higher standard and that new covenant. I just, yeah, absolutely. And I find it so fascinating that like mainstream Christianity, and I say that on a very general level, right? Not in our church, Mm -hmm. doesn't believe in this idea that we can become like Christ, that we can become gods, even though it says, be therefore perfect, even as I am. And that's what, that's what C.S. Lewis's interpretation of that was, where he's like, he meant it, like be like Christ. But for us, it's blasphemous to say we could become like Christ. So I really would have been, I would have been really curious to know what C.S. Lewis would have thought about our doctrine and the fact that we, we truly believe that we can progress to the point where we can become just like God. Yeah. Anyway. We'll have to ask him one day. Right. I'm sure his work's already done and I'm sure he's already just like getting after it in the, in the spirit world. Right. So, no doubt. I'm a big no fan doubt. of C.S. Lewis and I'm sure that'll come out more and more as we keep going, moving forward. But yeah, no doubt. Well, brother, should we wrap it up? It was a good sesh. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I hope, uh, hope everybody's enjoyed. Obviously covered, uh, bunch of stuff but uh we will we'll be back soon we will we'll be back next week peeps don't count us out ever yeah thanks all for listening we love it we love the support we love the people chiming in on the comments and we love the growth it's fun to see this happen and i love to know that our messages can resonate with people out there so just just real people living the gospel man that's right that's right all right peace brother appreciate it all right dude i'll talk to you yep That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for checking in, everyone. If you liked what you heard today, I ask super quickly if you could just follow or subscribe to the podcast, give it a rating, give it a review, tell your friends about it. All of that stuff helps me quite a bit. Watching the growth has been super humbling and motivating to keep going, and I could not possibly appreciate all of you more. Sitting on my table, I'm watching As everything's changing my mind Goes to a different time so madly there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night cause I could almost see it did you fade right out of you if it takes time 